And welcome to Battle of the Atom. This is the podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And you know what? We got we got an interesting show today, don't we, Adam? We sure do, because we have a very special guest joining us today. I, 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 want, I want to tell a quick, quick story about the this special guest that I don't think I've told you. And obviously he wouldn't know because why would he? Uh, but there was a time, it was about two years ago, and I was officiating a wedding for a couple of my friends down in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was a great wedding. Everything was, you know, fine and spectacular. And we went to the reception and it was a bunch of people from college. Everyone had a little bit to drink and then everyone had a little bit more to drink then we went out to a bar and everyone had a little bit more to drink. And then I woke up in my hotel room and my wife was there and one of my friends was sleeping in our windowsill. My phone had 1% battery and before it died, I looked at it. It was one of those things where it's going to die. You can tell it's dying, but it's you get that last second. And I see it right as I wake up and it says, you know, new email from Cullen Bunn. And I'm like, that's the guy who writes Uncanny X-Men. I'm probably drunk still. And I put it <laughs> down, and I tried to figure out what was going on with the rest of the day. And then it turns out that that was a real email. And then, yeah, got to talk to Cullen Bunn for one of the first interviews I did for Xavier Files as a website. And now he's uh, here on the podcast. Cullen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Oh, that's uh, that's exciting. We've got We've got some questions. For you and we'll get into it but you know right now you are from an from an x-men standpoint which is where we're selfishly uh pay the most attention uh writing x-men blue and yeah. you've got you know a bunch of creator own stuff that i think for some people flies under the radar for especially people who mostly know you for your marvel work what do you got running right now i know uh harrow county is is it just ending, or does it still got one more issue left? No, the the last issue of Harrow County came out uh, yesterday. Wait, this last week. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm confused on what day of the week it is. I think I had one of those nights, like you just described <laughs> last night. Uh, we were celebrating my wife's birthday. But uh, oh, the, um, so uh, it came. The last issue of Harrow County came out last week. So mm-hmm. it, it is all wrapped up. Awesome, awesome, and you got you got. Who all do you have work for right now? Getting a uh, getting released. Uh, so stuff that's currently coming out. I do stuff for Boom. I have a book called Bone Parish. That's a sort of a supernatural crime story that's coming out uh, in, uh, or I guess it's July now. So it comes out this month from Boom, the first issue. And I do uh, I do stuff for Marvel still. Uh, I do a little bit for DC here and there. Like I, I think this month I have a Suicide Squad annual that's coming out for DC. Um, and I do a lot of stuff for Oni Press, which was the publisher that gave me my first break into comics. I still do a book called uh, The Damned for them, and I do a book called Shadow Roads uh, for Oni Press as well. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I work with a lot of different publishers and that's, you know, that's just leaving out all the stuff that's unannounced or that I've been developing, uh, with other publishers. There's a few on the, there's a few publishers coming up that I've never worked with before. Uh, so I'm excited about that. We just have, but we just haven't announced the, the property yet. <laughs> awesome. No, that, that's, that's, uh, that's cool to hear. I know, you know, I, I frequent message boards and stuff. And one of the jokes I always see is that Cullen Bunn's probably one of the hardest working guys in comics because he's got so much stuff coming out week after week. Well, I have to hustle, man. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think there are actually people, uh, that are doing a lot more than I am, uh, probably, especially right now. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there were, there was a time there where I, I, I would, I'm certain I had more books, uh, coming out than just about anybody else. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I jokingly say that that is because it took me a while to break into comics and, uh, and now I'm trying to make up for lost time. <laughs> so do you sleep? Um, what's your work habit in terms of like getting page counts done for, for a given week? Uh, uh, do you I work break it seven, down and say, I've got to get this done. Well, I do. That's an everyday thing, but yeah, I work seven days mm -hmm. a week. Um, and, uh, on a weekdays, that's usually about 10 hours, sometimes a little more than that. Wow. Uh, and on weekends, wow. it's usually, you know, five, six hours a day. Uh, Ooh. but yeah, I, I work every day of the week. <laughs> that's impressive no. and, and it, i mean i just i'm wired that way I, I i've you know uh i just i i enjoy uh work and when i say i work 12 hours a day you know the beauty of freelancing is if my family wants to go out and get lunch i can go get lunch with my family and then mm -hmm. just come back and make up the time so it's you know it's a uh, you know, it, it's a flexible, a flexible 12 hours, but it's a, uh, but I try to get, or I mean, it's a flexible, you know, it's flexible time, but, uh, but I try to get that work in. <laughs> um, so Colin, I, I think in fairness, we've had, uh, your arch nemesis, Dennis hopeless on the program before. That uh, so considering we're talking about other, other writers, um, we just thought we'd give you an opportunity. We did ask him when he was on the show, why he hates you so much. Uh, what did so can you say, what did he say? <laughs> it was like eight months ago. I don't remember. I'm going to be very honest. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he just said some really nice things about you, but, um, why well, do you I hate Dennis nice Hopeless so much? Him. No. <laughs> yeah, Dennis uh, Dennis is actually one of my best friends in comics. So, uh I'm not going to say anything mad anything bad about him unless it's in jest. Uh but we have we have fostered this uh this sort of rivalry on social media that uh I think a lot of people genuinely believe. Um <laughs> I mean, I've seen I've you know, I've said things in interviews and Dennis has two, and then people respond back saying, "Why are you so mean to Dennis Hopeless, or why are you so mean?" To Colin <laughs> and uh, but we we've, we've been friends for for quite a while now. He's uh, uh, of most of the creators out of, of all the creators out there. I talk to Dennis probably more than than any other uh, uh, on a on a pretty regular basis. So. I love that online it's like uh you know rivalry but then in in reality it's like a bromance it's really nice. That's yeah. Well, I, yeah. Um one day it will turn to a bitter rivalry. I'm just preparing for that. <laughs> you know? It's comic books. Eventually you're going to hate the other person at some point. So I'll just I'm just getting ready for the time I'll hate Dennis Hopeless for 
everything he stands for. <laughs> That's, That's beautiful. Great. That's beautiful. Uh, so we're, we're an X-Men podcast and you have, uh, you've written a fair chunk of X-Men at this point in your career. Yeah. So, you know, what, what's your X-Men origin story? Was that something that before they paid you money to do it, you were into or. Yeah, no. Uh, so I remember posting on, I think like a, the comic book resources forum or something at some point, uh, maybe a year or two before I started writing, uh, X uncanny X-Men, someone had said, you know, you, would you ever be interested in, in writing an X-Men comic? And I had said at that point, I said, yeah, I'd love to, but I can't imagine that ever happening. Um, and that, you know, and that's really because when it comes to superhero books, X-Men is the book that, uh, that, I mean, it wasn't the first superhero comic I read, but it was the book that really, uh, that, that was the, that was my go-to superhero comic. And an X-Men, X-Men means a lot to me because um, when I was a, a young comic book collector, um, my dad, who was not into comics at all, and I decided that we were going to collect a run of X-Men together. Um, my dad didn't like comics, but he or didn't read comics, but he loved going to conventions and going to stores and he loved haggling with uh, uh, comic book dealers and trying to get the best deal. And he loved, you know trying to fill out a collection of books. So my dad and I collected Uncanny X-Men together and, uh, and built up a run of that series. Um, so, so that, the book means a lot to me from that perspective, but also I just, I love the book. Uh, I ended up selling that run of comic books to pay for college. And now I'm desperately trying to, I'm desperately trying to recollect them. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) But no, so when they came to me uh, about X Men, it was a surprise, and and yeah, I was uh you know I was thrilled to to have the chance to to write that story. Now, when you got started, correct me if I'm wrong. The the first book that you did was was the Magneto Solo. Is that right, Colin? Yeah, the first thing in the X universe. I mean, some people count Deadpool as mm-hmm. an X Men book, but if you really you know mm-hmm. like I don't really count X Men Deadpool as X Men. Uh, so no. the first X-Men book I did was Magneto. So I love that run. Uh, I just want to start with that. Um, but Magneto is featured, you know, really prominently in both, you know, obviously in the solo run, but again, in your uncanny X-Men run. And then he became sort of the Charles Xavier of the X-Men blue run. Um, what about Magneto has really stuck with you to make him the through line through, you know, all of your X work? Well, I really, you know, I've, I've always liked the character, but when I started writing him in uh, the Magneto solo series, I kind of fell in love with the character and, and just really, uh, I enjoy writing him. I enjoy that, uh, you know, I, one of the things I think comic books have a problem with right now, superhero comics have a big problem with, is that they turn all the villains into heroes, and then they have no villains anymore. Um, but, mm-hmm. but you know, Magneto. You know, I don't. I know he has been heroic, but Magneto is a villain, and he always will be. And I don't care what anybody says. He, you know, Magneto's a villain, and I like that about him. I like that he's a villain that you can understand his motivations. I like that he's not just a villain who just wants to conquer the world. I mean, that might have been his motivation from time to time, but he has reasons for doing what he he does. There's a darkness inside him that I think 
uh, readers can understand because if they were put through anything similar, that darkness would be there, you know, in them as well. And I've just always liked that, uh, that aspect of, of Magneto. And, uh, and when I started writing Magneto, I had an arc in mind for the character and it was a much longer arc than I could possibly, uh, get, get done in the, you know, in the confines of a 21 issue, you know, comic book series like Magneto. Um, Mm -hmm. so when Magneto ended, um, thanks to Secret Wars and, uh, Uncanny X-Men came about, uh, I, I kind of, I really lobbied to put Magneto in that team as well. And the same thing happened when Uncanny X-Men ended, uh, and, and X-Men Blue was the next thing on the list. I, I lobbied to put uh, Magneto in X-Men Blue in a big way uh, because I, I I still have this arc for the character that I'm I'm trying to get. Hmm. You know, do you feel through. like you're going to get that opportunity to finish that arc, or or do you think maybe we're going to leave it off uh, before you get to the finish? Yeah, no, uh, I think uh, my arc with my my time with Magneto is I think okay. done now um and and yeah in in the last few issues of x-men blue um i i think i i get to i i i, I tell the story i wanted to tell with magneto and go where i wanted to go with the character that's awesome for the most part i mean th- things change you know along the ways thanks to you know things that are happening in other books and in the marvel universe as a whole but yeah i i i think i've taken magneto where i wanted to take him uh do I have more stories with Magneto? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, those may never be told. Okay. As of uh, recording this, we've got six issues left in X-Men Blue. And spoilers for uh, people who aren't caught up on it yet. But there is solicited to be a big showdown between uh, Magneto and Emma Frost that I know a lot of people are very excited for, uh, having read that book. Now, speaking of about X-Men Blue. I know when we had Dennis Hopeless on the show, and I wasn't intending to keep bringing him up, uh, but he was mentioning that after IVX, when the line kind of got shook up and people uh, switched books, you know, there, you know, everyone, he said that he really wanted to jump onto uh, the Jean Grey book. So what made uh, X-Men Blue, yeah. which, you know, ostensibly was, you know, the 05 time-displaced X-Men book, uh, what made them an appealing uh, place to continue to tell your stories? Do you want the honest answer? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, I don't think this is any secret to anybody involved. Uh, I didn't want the book. Oh. I didn't want the original five. Okay. Hmm. Um, I uh, when when they called me and told me that that's what was going to happen, uh, I was furious. Whoa. Uh, I really. I really didn't. Uh, I thought it gutted what I was trying to do with uh, Uncanny X Men, um, and uh, and uh, you know I have res- I had respect for the original five characters, but they weren't my X Men team. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know the, the 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 thing I always loved about you know the thing that drew me to X Men was the weirdness of the team and the, the you know the off the wall nature of uh, of the groups that were put together. And uh, the original five didn't fit that, you know, my vision of, of what I loved about the X-Men. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of discussion about it. You know, I, uh, I lobbied. I, 
for a different team. I put a different team. You know, I, I suggested a completely different team of characters. Um, I, you know, but uh, it came down that uh, at the time, Axel Alonso, the editor in chief, you know, he he got on the phone. I, I remember very clearly I was in San Diego at the time and he got on the phone with me and he said, it's the 05 or nothing. Ooh. Uh, after I'd had several calls with him, you know, <laughs> several calls where they were trying to convince me. And and uh, so when they said that, I was like, all right, uh, can I put Magneto on the team? Mm-hmm. And when they agreed to let me put Magneto on the team uh, or in the book, I, I you know, I, I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle the book and see what I can do. And, uh, you know, my, my plan was just to take it and do, you know, the kind of X-Men stories I just wanted to do anyway, just I'd, but I'd be forced to use the 05. Um, since that time, you know, I've come to, I, I really like these characters a great deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm glad that, that they, that, that I'm doing this book. Uh, they're still not the, you know, the, the, you know it's, if you're an X-Men fan, you like a certain type of X-Men right. group, you know, and it all depends on when you came into the book and everything. So I can never say that the 05 is my type of X-Men group, but I do like writing the characters and I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with the way the book has turned out. Um, but yeah, initially I, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I railed against it. Wow. I was not, uh, I was not thrilled about it. Well, I think that that stems to another question that um, we wanted to put to you, which is that not only do you have line shakeups, you know, where uncanny X-Men has to end and then we have to start X-Men blue, X-Men gold, etc. But you also had some editorial mandates that broke up even X-Men Blue storytelling. Um, you know, you had during your Uncanny run, I believe you had the Apocalypse War uh, thing, which wasn't a crossover, but, you know, just was was part of a line wide event. And then in X-Men Blue, right. you had to work your way into Secret Empire. How do you deal with yes. some of those sort of larger tag on the front cover type things? Well, if you're writing a book for Marvel and it's going to be a book that's more than, you know, five issues long, you just have to you you just have to understand that that's going to happen. Okay. You know, yeah. it, it, it's 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 not something that you can avoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times where editorial will call you and they'll ask, do you want to to be a part of, you know, whatever the event is, you know, Um and in some cases, you know, it's a completely, uh, you know, it, it's it's all about the sales of the book. When you slap one of those banners on the cover, the sales of the book go up. And uh, and if a book needs that, then you do it, you know, for that reason. Um, but most of the time, at least the stuff that I have been been doing, it's been, uh, you know, we want you to participate in this event or be part of, you know, this story. Um, and what you have to do and what I've always tried to do is, uh, is take, uh, take the, you know, take whatever the event is and, and tell my own story within the confines of that. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's more difficult than others. Uh, and sometimes I'm more successful than others, you know, but I try to tell, you know, the story I want to tell, uh, and yes, there's, you know, there's this big event going on, but I'm trying to tell something that's, you know, maybe happening a little closer to the characters or, you know, happening on the fringe of, of the, of the Mm. event. Um, 
And sometimes, you know, they, you know, sometimes I'm real happy. Like when Magneto, for instance, we had to uh, tie into Axis. And uh, something that came out of Axis was, you know, there's a character called uh, Hitzig, who is this, uh, this Nazi SS officer who tormented Magneto when he was, when he was a, a kid. And, and Hitzig really kind of came into his own in that, you know, with, 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 Axis, and I really, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that that happened so that I could introduce this character of Hitzig because he, he, he recurs in, uh, in, in the Magneto series a little bit, and and he becomes, uh, he becomes something, a character that really uh, sticks it to Magneto in a big way, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm thankful for that. You know, some if if it can introduce some new element to the story, that's great, and sometimes you just, uh, sometimes it really shakes things up, uh, like X Men Blue. Uh, the whole world is turned upside down, basically, and uh, you know I had to to fit you know, fit my story into uh, you know into the world being kind of turned on its ear suddenly, and uh, and I know that I, I had a few readers who were like, we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, he yeah, and because it was only two issues, right? I think three, two or three. Yeah. I can't remember at this point, but yeah, it's uh, you know they're short little bursts, but. Uh, you know, in some cases, you can tell a story that's close. You know that that, that the reader doesn't have to follow everything, mm-hmm. but with something like uh, with something like uh, Secret Empire, when you know the mutants are now all living in California and you know things like that, it was it was really difficult to to tell a story that didn't you know that didn't kind of derail yeah, things okay. a little bit. So recently, uh, you tied in a couple of books that you were writing uh i'm thinking of the venom the big uh poisons story you were talking in venom tying that in with x-men blue uh what what was driving the decision uh part of that and you know what i'm i'm curious (laughs) as you know as a fan of fan of this stuff i'm an x-men guy that that's been my thing and while you know i watched the spider-man cartoon every saturday morning in 1990 so i have a certain affection for venom he's not the first or second or third thing I think of pairing up with the X-Men. So what was, uh, what was going on behind that? Uh, so yeah, I was writing X-Men blue and I was, I wrote a mini series called, uh, Venomverse, which was sort of a, you know, a crazy story with a bunch of different venoms. Um, and that all wrapped up. And then I got a call from, uh, from my editors and they said, Hey, we want to bring you out to, to New York. We want to talk to you about this. You're going to tie X Men and Venom together uh, for a five issue storyline. <laughs> um, so, so I was a little bit. I had the same reaction you just described, where I'm like, "Well, I, I fitting those two together is not going to be easy." <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think what you know, what I think what drove it is, I had pitched at the end of Venomverse. Um, I had pitched a, a sequel to Venomverse, which became mm-hmm. the book Venomized. Um, and I think Marvel wanted to have a bridging uh, story okay. between Venomverse mm-hmm. and Venomized. It wasn't my initial, you know, intent. I didn't intend for the X-Men to play, you know, as, you know, the role they played. Um, but, or, and I didn't intend for, you know, Venom Venomized to become what is really an X-Men story. But, uh, that you know, they Marvel wanted a bridging story to tie the two characters together or two story the two books together. 
so yeah, they flew me out and we, uh, you know, <laughs> they, they asked me to pitch what, what I would do to put, uh, the X-Men and, and Venom hmm. that's on the a, same team. That, that's interesting. What I, what I think for me is more interesting is how that ended up impacting X-Men Blue because we get this wildly different team out of it for uh, for an arc that, you know, honestly, it was the culmination of a lot of stuff that was building up for the rest of X-Men Blue. Now, that team was, what was it? It was Dakin, Polaris, Zorn. Uh, Jimmy, Bloodstorm. And uh, Gazing Nightshade. How does that cast of characters... Because, look, I love Zorn. Zorn's, like, one of my favorite guys in the world. But I think it's me and three other people who are big Zorn fans. So how in the world do you pull together that team to, you know, tie up that story? Well, um, it, it was all sort of an, uh, a happy accident. Um, because... When we, when you know, when I was brought out and we pitched uh, X Men Black, or I think that's what we ended up calling it, right? Or no, they call it Poison X. It was originally going to be X Men Black, is what the the title was going to be. And they were all going to be in, you know. Do you know how many people on a message board <laughs> are freaking out because they've been trying to solve some made up mystery about X Men Black for like eight months yeah. now? Well, that's what it was. It was a title that someone threw out, um, and it became Poison X. Um, so originally, the idea was that story would take place. The X Men would return back to, uh, back to Earth and would continue on into the Mother Vine story. But because of weird scheduling things, and I can't even begin to explain it to you. At one point, I had wrapped my head around why the schedule was working the way it was. Uh, I was told you can't bring the X Men back for because of Venomized. I couldn't bring the X Men back until Venomized launched. So I had to think of something to do in between, you know, the, that, you know, in those several months and the several issues where uh, the X-Men were still off in space. And uh, I'm sure you guys remember because you're such X fans. There was this issue of X-Men where Forge puts together his own team of yep. X-Men and it's like Forge <laughs> and Thunder and Polaris, I think. It's is the on Muir the Island team. rejects. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I called my editor and I said, do you remember this cover? Let's do this cover on the book and let's just do a weird team of X-Men. And I had to pull in Jimmy and Bloodstorm because they were still on Earth because uh, they only mm -hmm. wanted the original five in space. Who knows? I don't know why. <laughs> they only wanted the original five in space. So I, I pulled them in and, uh, you know, Polaris I had already hinted at was going to be there and, you know... Zorn had already appeared in the book a couple, or he had appeared in uh, Uncanny X Men a little bit. And I, I love, uh, you know, I love Zorn. And uh, to be honest, so good. I, I'll tell you what I like most about Zorn is he's wonderful to troll your editors with. <laughs> uh, he's so awesome because he presents such a horrible, mixed up continuity problem. Yep. You know, in the is he Magneto? Is he not Magneto? Was he Magneto? You know, all that. Is he a guy pretending to be Magneto, pretending to be himself? Right. I mean, it's so convoluted. I've always loved Zorn. I think his, the, and if, if for no other reason, the design of Zorn is amazing. So good. And it's so uh, good. So I have been trolling editors with Zorn forever, threatening them that you do realize that Magneto and Zorn were the same person. 
I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> and, you know, and I do little things like that. There's a moment in, uh, in X-Men Blue where Toad is just talking to Zorn like he knows him because Toad was Magneto's little flunky in that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Planet X story. And Zorn looks over him and says, who do you think I am? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, but so besides the fact that I just think Zorn's a cool character, he's fun to troll editors with. And uh, uh, so I wanted to put him back in the book because I'd left uh, after uh, IVX, Zorn was sort of left in limbo, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to kind of wrap that story up a little bit or wrap up at least what I could with Zorn, even though it's still not wrapped up yet. Uh Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Because last I saw, he exploded into his own head, he which did. I know hasn't stopped him before, but... He did, but Zorn also uh, was left in charge of all these mutants from Uncanny right. X-Men. These sleeper, yes. sleeper mutants. And I, unlike everyone else, will not forget <laughs> those little, those little storylines, especially when I'm the one who introduced it. So that's still out there somewhere. That little, you know, that that nugget is still out there. What happened to those sleeper mutants? Um, so, you know, we're going to address that at some point oh, in the next nice. couple of issues. Uh, it was just a weird team I wanted to pull. You know, I just said, well, let's just pull this weird team uh, together. And, you know, the the uh, Doc, Dokken was not on my team. Uh, my editor or the senior editor called me and asked, would you mind putting Dokken on the on the group <laughs> and I was like, well, we already have Jimmy. So anyway, I, I had this, uh, this weird team. And unfortunately, uh, because we knew the book was going to be, we knew X-Men blue was going to be ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I'd set up all this stuff for this mother vine story. I had to tell that story. So this weird team had to deal with the, the, the story that I'd always intended the blue team to 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 handle oh. uh, so that's uh you know that that all played out in a weird it played out in a weird kind of way uh you know i, I turned it into some story elements and some character elements but uh but yeah it uh you know that it was it was unintentional and it just sort of happened because of the the scheduling okay issues. um okay now speaking of a an interesting team one of the things you do early on in the blue run is introduce the, the Raksha. So would you talk a little bit about creating them and you know, where they came from and how that idea came about? Yeah. And the Raksha are are characters that, uh, that I'd love to have had the the chance to do more with. Um, They came up, uh, uh, you know, initially, uh, it came up because because of the way artists were were coming in and off the book. We only had one issue that this artist, you know, this one issue that this artist mm-hmm. could do, and uh, and I decided I wanted to make it a Madripoor issue. And I said, well, Madripoor's never really had a real, you know, team of superheroes. So uh, I created these characters, the Raksha, who basically love patch <laughs> so much that they decided to be vigilantes in in patch's honor um and and at one time they all wore patches on their mm-hmm. on their face mm-hmm. but uh i took that out because of something dennis hopeless had done <laughs> in his in his uh, x-men uh, all new x-men run and i didn't want it to to echo that too much where he had um, a bunch of people wearing cyclops masks on their face right 
Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I said, well, we can't do uh, patches on their face. So, but I just I, I wanted a team of 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 superheroes in or mutant superheroes in uh, Madripoor. Um, I want you know I like the idea that it was an Asian team of heroes and that we could do some weird things with them and have some interesting you know characters. My intent was always for them to play a much bigger mm-hmm. role uh, in the series and maybe even outside the series and maybe one day they will. Uh, but they never had the they never they never had the uh, the play that I wanted them to uh, in the book. Uh, you know there was a there was you know a moment where I was going to have them you know a huge training montage where they're training the X Men to be ninjas and you know all sorts of uh, uh, different weird things. Uh, but uh, the only one that that that's st- you know they're not dead. They look like they got killed by Polaris. They but, didn't uh, look like still, they were in good shape. Yeah, yeah, they're still around, um, and they'll probably they will show up uh, before the series ends again, at least in some capacity. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I always and I st- and, and I always will want to do more with them uh, if oh, that's I can. Great. Oh, exciting! So the the big thing we we touched on it a bit, but for your run was you know the Mothervine arc. Which I, you know, finally got resolved in what twenty eight or something like that, and it had been building from the beginning of uh, Blue. Yes, but that's not really where it started, because that was a plot element all the way back from the Ultimate Comics Wolverine series that you wrote with uh, Jimmy Hudson. Which, yeah, I'll tell you, when I flipped that, I was like, wait a minute, this is a late Ultimates miniseries that I don't know what the sales were, but it was a late Ultimates comics book. So I'm not sure they were, I know, I don't know if it was number one or not, but I, it's I like forget nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out, like you have added stuff like that in so many obscure continuity bits in there. Like Mach two is a big part of that run. And yeah. Mach two is a character that, you know, when I was reading those books, I said, Oh, she's great. She's mini snotty magneto but she kind of has a point i think i think that's awesome i hope someone brings her back at some point and then she yeah, she's awesome except i always write mock five <laughs> when i'm scripting uh mock two pages and so many artists hate me now because i write mock five and they draw this dude in armor uh from uh, <laughs> from thunderbolts so there are so many pages of x-men blue where there's this dude in armor standing there instead and I have to have him go back and patch it because I oh, wrote the wrong so name. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's objectively one of the funniest characters in like visual comedy. Yeah. So. Oh. But that's... yeah, no, I, I just I don't forget these things, and when I, you know, I, I don't write for a short game usually, um, and I try to think of the comics I loved when I was, uh, you know, when I was when I was, you know, reading comics just for the pure joy of reading comics. And I loved long convoluted plot lines that tied into everything. It was, it's just what I liked. And, uh, and with X-Men, I'm, you know, maybe I'm just, uh, maybe it's fan service to me and me alone, but that's what I'm doing. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Cause I mean, at a certain point in this run, like you took them to, a twenty ninety nine, yes, and like no one thinks about those characters. Like Metalhead, no one cares <laughs> about Eddie, but he shows up. Yeah, no. well, it's... I do. 
He's great. He's a he's a guy named Metalhead who dresses like a roadie and is named Eddie, like Iron Maiden's freaking zombie boy. It's right. He's a he's the perfect design for an incredibly specific subset of perfect. Uh, but yeah, those those little continuity like nuggets. I mean, obviously, as people who do an X Men podcast, we <laughs> dig those. I know there is a certain segment of very intense fans who dig that stuff and it's just figuring out where all yeah. that comes from and how anyone just picks this weird offbeat bit of continuity say oh i want to build i want to build a 28 issue run around this thing yeah well you know i um uh, uh, yeah i'm not going to be one of those creators who tries to hide the fact that he loves comic books and and i think there are far far too many uh creators out there who turn their nose up at the fact that they love comics and i love x-men i always have it's impossible for me to follow (laughs) the continuity of everything i mean there are things in x-men that i have no idea you know someone will tell me well this happened and i'm like when did that happen (laughs) you know when did you know i don't even know what it would be but i've many times i've asked you know my editors how did you know i how did i miss this and when did it happen but, uh, you know, I love, you know, I love the X-Men and, and it's just what I love about the X-Men is, is the weirdness and the strangeness. You know, I love things like uh, X-Men 2099 and Mutant X and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, District X. What's, where's my <laughs> District X comic? Because, you know, I love District X when it was, uh, you know, things like that. Those books, uh, you know, are, are books that, I, you know, I loved every aspect of the X-Men. And, uh and I, I still, you know, you know, I still do, you know, I, you know, and, and if I were ever to write more X-Men comics, I'm not going to turn my nose up on the fact that that's the kind of stuff I like to do. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. And yes, some of it is absolutely a, uh, uh, you, you, it's, it's absolutely for the diehard X-Men fans, I guess, but that's okay. It's appreciated. That's all right. Diehard X-Men fans. Are comics. <laughs> um, so speaking of your your love for the line, the love for X-Men, um, I think when we spoke to Dennis, you know, in his capacity as the writer of all new X-Men, um, he shared with us that there was an original plan for what was supposed to happen to the O5 um, before he came on board all new X-Men. Um, we have, a, you know, a mini series coming up um, that I guess is going to deal with it. I don't know if that's the end quote unquote, or, or what we're dealing with, but I'm curious, have you had any input in sort of swaying what ultimately happens to the O five given your run on X-Men blue? Well, my, this book, uh, X-Men blue was in, intended to wrap the story of okay. the original five, the the time yeah. lost original five. They were going to by the end of the the, the original pitch for the series, uh, took care of the conundrum they present. Uh, you know, there were things I wanted to do. Um, you know, I see all the message boards about oh, they're just alternate universe characters, blah 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 blah. You know, things like that, and I I wanted to put that to rest and say nope, they're the real deal. These are Euro five. Um, that may be the, if, if I have any now with everything that's going on, if I had any, uh, influence 
on, you know, what the, the next stage of these characters is, is that I just drew a line in the sand and said, no, mm-hmm. they're the original characters. <laughs> because Dennis wrapped it up very neatly in that he, he said basically in his run that they were alternate universe characters. You know, they, they go back to their timeline and the X-Men are there. The, you know, they're there doing their thing. So the, they, the original five say, hey, we're off the hook. We can go back to, you know, the future and live our lives. And I took that and said, nope, they're still the original. They're the original characters. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and, you know, now I can tell you that, no, I have no input on what, you know, besides the fact that they're the original, uh, the original characters, your guess is as good as mine oh, in wow. what's happening next. Okay. Um, you know, I can tell you that my original plan uh, pitched years ago um, when I took X-Men Blue was at the end of the book, X-Men Blue become would become Exiles, oh. and that team would become a new Exiles Whoa. team. But that is n- not in any way, shape, okay. or form what's happening. Okay. Well, um, I... Or I don't know, or at least I don't <laughs> think so, you know. <laughs> I just want to uh, make sure that you know that I think Cross Time Caper, um, that arc was one of my absolute favorites. Um, I love the idea. I'm a big future brotherhood fan. So. Well, we we're on a podcast called battle of the atom. I yeah. think we might like the future brotherhood. <laughs> when they bit. appeared as the uh, oh, yeah. things to come in the first issue, I fell out of my chair. I was like, this is going to be so awesome when this finally happens. And the way that you worked it in to what hopeless had left dangling in all new was, I thought it was brilliant. So bravo, bravo to that. Oh yeah. It was, Please, uh, you know, please don't mistake uh, me saying, no, I'm going to change what Dennis did was not a matter of me wanting to, you know, shut down Dennis's story. It's just I saw such a great opportunity for the uh, yeah for the future brotherhood to be mucking it's around perfect. in the timeline again. And, you know, I was like, well, let's do that. That's, you know, so, yeah, because I love those characters, even though I treated <laughs> them so badly at the end. <laughs> no, it's uh, or did I? Well, Who we, knows? We Maybe they're still really around. see what Magneto did so and we all know that magneto never follows through on his threats <laughs> so <laughs> well that's that's exciting so uh we're we're getting near the uh near the end here but one of the things i wanted to ask you've dove into so many just weird mutants in this has there been anyone that was so weird so off the wall and you just couldn't find a space to uh get them into any of your work on X-Men. Wow. Uh, there's probably a huge list. I mean, if, if you, uh, if you look at my, uh, if you'd look at my notes from going back to, uh, uncanny X-Men, I had such a massive list of characters I wanted to, to do something with. And, And I have pitched stories that would, you know, just way too ambitious things that I knew Marvel wouldn't take at the time, I pitched stories that starred every mutant in every, you know, that's ever appeared would have a role to play in these stories and things. So, you know, I, I, I want to do, you know, use all these characters. Um, off the wall, though, that's a... Um, I think I tried to bring Maggot back a couple of times. <laughs> Zach just fainted. And, and editors... <laughs> and, and editors... Editors didn't like Maggot coming back, although I think he's coming back now in in Rosenberg's run, or he's appeared. Um, uh, I I mean, I saw somewhere, there's this one fan 
who and it may be, maybe maybe exactly. me. That's one hundred percent me. Yeah, there we go. Constantly, constantly emails me about Maggie. Oh, I never email. Back. I will. I will never email someone about that. That's but uh, but agent. I did see that that guy posted on Twitter thanking Rosenberg for Maggot. So I think Maggot must be back in that he, book or, he or coming up, back. He and did show up in one panel on a dream sequence thing. In oh, it's a dream sequence. All right. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, that you know, Maggot was one. Um, and there's a lot of characters that I wanted, you know, wanted to use that wouldn't have been off the wall. I mean, I've always wanted Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've fought for Nightcrawler to be in my books. Uh, Rachel Gray, uh, Magic, Nate Gray. I've those are characters that I've wanted to do something with. That it's just never been able to mm-hmm. to work out. Um, and, uh, I, I feel very, you know, to me, that's, that's the stuff that I, th- those are the moments that I miss most is like, man, I'm never going to get that chance. And I mean, never say never, but I'm never going to get that chance to put, you know, Nate Gray and Maggot in a team up <laughs> book in, in district oh X, God. uh, you know, that hits a Sage Sage was another character I'd love to have done something with, you know, so there's a lot of characters out there that I, you know, again, there's there's hundreds of mutants, and I love all of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've said about a million times on this podcast, uh, there's a thousand X-Men characters out there, and every single one of them is somebody's favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for it's, sure. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, so now I think is the part in the interview that we're going to jump over to some Twitter questions. Uh, we put out the call earlier this evening and got a few things in, so... Uh, Let's go to town. Uh, let's see. First question: Where is Maggot? Uh, <laughs> I didn't ask my own Twitter questions, and I have reported right, from asking right. creators that, except for Leah Williams, but you know she loves Maggot too, so it was okay. Uh, the first question comes from Chris Hansen, who asks, "What contribution to the overall X Men mythos are you most proud of?" Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going heavy. You know, I, it, it's, uh, look, I think, you know, I think I've made a mark on Magneto. Uh, I feel like uh, when it's all said and done, I ho- I will have, you know, I will have told one giant Magneto story disguised as Magneto and two X-Men books. Um, and, and I'm very happy with where uh, that Magneto story ends and, and, and really where it began. Um so uh yeah probably uh probably magneto and and by way of by way of teasers probably magneto and the people that are surrounding him at the end mm. of my run mm. that would be interesting now now speaking of the people surrounding him and how that has changed and progressed over the last couple of years uh matt underscore sibley asks how does how do you balance carrying story threads and characters across multiple books and needing to adjust those to fit with you know different tones of different books or different uh, story decisions that have you know driven things? Well, you know sometimes they have to you know those 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 plans and those characters do have to change or or take a back seat where they were intended to be you know, front row, you know, front and center stage, things like that. So it's just, uh, you know, I try not to forget 
these elements that I that I introduce. And even if I can only do sort of a you know a, a casual nod to to those elements, I, I want to at least keep them in mind and 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 wrap up loose ends where I can. Um, not that I think every loose end needs to be wrapped up because I do like leaving things for other creators to come in and, and do what they mm-hmm. want to do. Um, you know, there were a few though that, that, I, that, that slipped, uh, for instance, I got here's So this is the one that, this is the one I regret more than anything. Um, in IVX, there's a moment where in my issues of IVX, mm-hmm. Phantom X, who's also a character I love, even though a lot of people hate him. Um, Phantom X wanders off into the world, which is this, you know, sub-dimensional sentinel factory. And he, he, you know, connects with the world in a big way. And at the end, he says, you know, now this place is mine. I had a huge story envisioned for Phantom X as king of, you know, of that world, that sentinel factory and what, what would happen um, and, and where that would go. Uh, and unfortunately, that's a story that will mm. never get told. Uh, it was uh, it was going to be a, it was going to be a huge part of of uncanny x-men going forward um after ivx but then ah. the book ended <laughs> and then and then some and then another writer this is you know it's just shared universe so that's you know and that's fine another writer took phantom x and did other things with him um but that was always my intent is that there was there's a bigger story out there involving the world and phantom x and where he was at the end of that you know yeah. that arc and I mean, I, I can tell you, I really enjoyed the Phantom X parts of IVX. Mm-hmm. Those were those were exciting. I wanted to see what's next. And you know, while while I definitely enjoyed what uh, Charles Soule did in Astonishing X Men, I can't say I'm not a little disappointed that we didn't get to see what was going to go on with uh, that fake French guy living in his you know Sentinel planet. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so so you know, all I can do is I b- try to balance it as best I can. You know, the thing I can't control are other moving pieces that are out there that, you know, can, you know, really mess things up. Yeah. All right. Uh, We got, let's see, just a couple more. This one comes to us from hashtag uh, Harrow County Forever, who asks. (laughs) My favorite one. (laughs) Would you like to work with Tyler Crook again in the future on Harrow County related or unrelated projects? Or would you like to visit that world oh, yeah. from another character's perspective? No, uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind to visit Harrow County from another, you know, from other with another artist or something. But uh, that would not be a permanent thing by any means. If I revisit Har- Harrow County, Tyler's Tyler's my go-to, you know, ride or die on that book, and uh, and and absolutely a thousand percent yes. I would work with. Uh, I would fall all over myself to work with Tyler Crook on another project. He's a uh, he's a great collaborator, wonderful human being, um, and uh, and you know th- those are those are great qualities. Those are the qualities I look for in long term you know collaborators. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd work with him in a heartbeat. Exciting. Our uh, our last question comes to us from Kansas City native and friend of the show Chris Edelman, who asks. When Cullen comes to Kansas City, what barbecue does he get? <laughs> um, that's a wonderful question. Uh, so I don't get to Kansas City 
it's I, I come about once, you know, once or twice a year. Uh, and I don't get Kansas City barbecue probably as much as someone from Kansas City would uh, would like. Uh, you know, I'm I grew up in North Carolina, and North Carolina barbecue is drastically different than than the barbecue uh, here in the Midwest, and 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 it and and drastically Ooh, superior. Throwing it, it down. Is. That's a... <laughs> it, but but sorry, sorry to say that, but. Uh, you know, I'm also, you know, maybe I'm not going to the right places. Uh, every time I go to, uh, Planet Comic Con, which is one of my favorite conventions, uh, I have a friend who wants to take me to Gates Barbecue. Uh, and Gates is fine, I guess, but it's so stressful when you go order there because they, they start yelling at you as soon as you walk through the door and they just <laughs> yell at you until you place your order. And it just puts me on edge for the entire meal. Oh um, there's another barbecue place that everyone recommends to me. And I cannot for the life of me think of it right now, but I know last year when we wanted to go, it was a four and a half hour wait. So that would be just as stressful as people yelling at me and when I come through the door. So we went to, to Gates. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> but if there's, I'm open to recommendations. Uh, you know, if there's, if there's a place I need to go, then I need, you know, please tell me this. Even though North Carolina is by far the, the superior, um, superior uh barbecue uh, you know north carolina barbecue is the nimrod to kansas city's bastion barbecue so it is absolutely the superior oh my version God. but that was the best that's an analogy I, I have oh boy <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just but i'm open to trying you know i like bastion just fine but we all can agree that nimrod was a cooler character before he got to go to i'll, oh I'll just God. throw this out uh, if you're in the uh yeah, the, let's say western missouri area uh, not necessarily kansas city proper but if you're ever in a little town called sedalia missouri go to little bighorn barbecue it is fantastic i get i got for work right. i get out there a little bit and I tell you what, it is very good stuff. What's the name of this place again? Little Bighorn? Little Bighorn. All right, that's only two hours from me. So I might have oh. to go try it sometime. Ain't too bad. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up all of this. So, uh, Cullen, again, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, where can people find you online? And uh, what do you got uh, going on? Yeah, so uh, right now you can... You know, the, the best place to find me is, you know, my website, real easy to remember. It's just CullenBun.com. And my Twitter account, which is where I'm most active on social media, is just at CullenBun. So both of those places are great, you know, places to, to reach me and get in touch with me and see what's going on. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I got a new book coming out from Boom called uh, Bone Parish. Um, I also have a new Marvel book coming out soon called As Guardians of the Galaxy, which is just what it sounds like uh and uh and yeah so uh and hopefully you know listen hopefully i'll talk to you guys again I, i've told i've made it very clear at marvel that i would write x-men until the day i die if mm -hmm. uh if that's in the cards in, in some capacity so uh you know maybe my you know who knows if my time is is i know x-men blue is wrapping up but that doesn't necessarily mean my time with x-men is you know is done but uh but uh, so hopefully there'll be reason for me to come back and, and visit with you again soon. Yeah, we would. Yep. 
Absolutely. Now, we would love that. now people, uh, if you enjoyed this show and you want to, you know, see what else we got, you can go over to xavierfiles.com. That's where I've got all the articles, other interviews that have been done. Uh, stuff i don't know there's a lot of x-men stuff that i've been doing for like three years and for the life it's just all there you can have a lot of thoughts about x-men on that website there's a list of people who vape on the x-men it's very extensive so you can go check out all that Uh, if you want to support the uh you know the xavier files media empire or more specifically this battle of the atoms show you can go over to patreon.com slash xavier files pitch in whatever you want or nothing it's okay we're we we've got enough to handle hosting i think ad infinitum but at the two dollar a month level you can suggest one story that we will build an entire episode around like next week where we're going to be building an entire episode around a story about wolverine yelling cocaine into the middle of the air for no good reason i've never read that wolverine story that's the only bit of context i have for it uh and then you can also find me at Xavier Files on Twitter. Hey, Adam, where can people find you online? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And uh, if anybody wants a copy of the Bishon Jubes issue number three, um, you can just go to adamrec.bigcartel.com. They're $1. Um, I will print it and mail it to you for that $1. No strings attached. So uh, if you haven't already ordered your copy, go ahead and do it. That is great. Well, like I said, next week we've got Wolverine stories about yelling cocaine in the air, and we got Sam Keith drawing a big Wienermobile. It's going to be an interesting episode. But uh, until then, this has been Bow the Atom. We hope you survived the experience.